you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. your hands with me right now. Would you pray that, God? I pray that you would be peace to those that don't have peace tonight, God. And I pray those that are struggling in their minds, those struggling with the thoughts, those struggling with the voices, God, that have maybe kept them up at night and they haven't had rest, I pray that when they go home tonight that they would find rest in you, God, that they would sleep tonight, God, that you would quiet the voices in their minds because we are more than conquerors through Jesus, and we praise you, and we give you glory, and we speak it right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, clap your hands. Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight. Such a joy to be able to speak to you. And as Sister Jordan has already said, yes, I am leaving next Tuesday to travel back to the Philippines, and I do cover your prayers. I, I, I told I told somebody I said you have mixed emotions. Um, I enjoy I enjoy going. I enjoy uh, being used of God in this. I know that God's going to do great things. But if you're a husband, if you're a dad, you know what it's like. You hate to leave your family for any period of time, and uh, so there are mixed emotions. But I'm believing that God is going to do great things, and so. When I get there, um, so I leave on Tuesday. I don't arrive. This is the 31st. I don't arrive till the 2nd, uh, which is kind of hard to believe. And so pray for strength because we are in uh, church. So the 2nd is on a Thursday. We're in church Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. And after church on Tuesday, i got to make a three-hour trip back to the airport and then fly out at 3.30 in the morning to come back home for my son's birthday. So I said, I, I told them when they had invited me, I said, I'll come, but I'm not missing a birthday. And so I do covet your prayers. Um, need the strength of the Lord, believing that God is going to do great things. He's already doing great things. We are going to be able to meet uh, with city officials, very 
uh, high up in government in a particular city. Uh, God has given us an inroad, and we're going to be witnessing to him and spending time with him and believing that God's going to fill him with the gift of the Holy Ghost, really believing that God's going to do God's going to do great things. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like to draw your attention to a very familiar passage of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, and uh, we're just going to see what God has for us tonight. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Everybody say it was empty. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now notice this. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In verse number 3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. So when the Spirit of God begins to move, there is nothing like it. How many can attest to that? When you're in a service, and the Spirit begins to move, there's nothing that feels like it. There's nothing like it. And I've heard countless people that have come into these doors. They've said, after experiencing the moving of the Spirit, I have never felt anything like this before. And the Bible records, though, in this text that that, that it records that into the emptiness and into the void of nothingness, there came a divine energy like the world had never felt before. And the Spirit of God, the Bible says, moved upon the face of the waters. And guess what? Nothing changed. We talk about the moving of the Spirit and that it changes, and, and, and I believe that it can. But in this, in this text, when the, the Spirit of God began to move, everything stayed the same. Nothing changed. Nothing was different from before. The emptiness felt his touch, much like we do in this building when the Holy Ghost begins to move. We feel his touch. The Bible says that the waters felt the moving, yet the void still existed and the darkness still prevailed. Nothing took place until verse number 3, and I want to read it into your hearing again. And God let there be light. It wasn't until God spoke. What the Spirit of God did not accomplish, the Word of God did. I want to say that again. What the Spirit did not accomplish, His Word accomplished. And I just want to speak into your hearing for the next little while on this subject, the creative power of God's voice. There is something distinguishable about a person's voice. It is in the pitch. It is in the temple, tempo rather, in which a particular individual speaks. My phone can ring, and without ever looking at the caller ID, I can, I can pick the, the, the phone up, and I can hear and recognize the voice of my wife or I can hear and recognize the voice of my son and know who they are by the sound of their voice. I can, I can understand by the pitch of whether it's Aiden or it's Brantley. I can tell by the tempo in which they speak whether it's Aiden or Brantley. I can, I can understand and I can know uh, if my wife is calling just to tag in with me or if something is wrong just by the tone of her voice. There are people who are attracted to memories and happenings in, in, in their life. And I want to say in me personally, there are, there are people that are attached to memories and happenings in my life who even now when I hear their voice, it triggers a memory of times past and it takes me back to a place long ago. I could hear a recording of my grandpa Price, and some of you knew him and some of you did not, but I, I could hear in the sound, I could hear that voice, and it takes me back to, to riding in the car to Lafayette Square. He could not live in today's world. Malls are dying. He would not know what to do. But I, 
It takes me back to being in the back seat of his car, driving to Lafayette Square Mall, which was his favorite mall in Indianapolis. And now you would get shot if you went down there, but that's where he liked to go. And 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 that that bring if I could hear that voice, it would bring me back to that time. And then it would also bring back the memory of him yelling, "Quit using my head for a symbol." I can hear his voice in my head when he used to get up from his couch and he was a little hard for him to get up and he would look at me and say, Danny, never get old, buddy, never get old. And I would tell him, Pavel, for sure beats the alternative. He said, I know, but it's not any fun either. And then perhaps one of my fondest memories when I think about his voice when he looked at me sitting in his, his living room not too long before he passed, when he said, Danny, always preach the truth. Whatever you do, don't fall for false doctrine. He preached the truth and fall in love with this marvelous truth that you've been handed. There's something in his voice that takes me back to, to memories and happenings. I, uh, there, there also, uh, when my, my father-in-law passed away, he hadn't been able to speak for 13 years or so, but at his funeral, we, we played a, a a, a clip of him preaching, and, and it was funny because Brantley didn't understand. He said, Mom, is that is that Papal talking from heaven? He said, no, bud, that's what Papal, that's when Papal used to be able to talk. But I could hear his voice, and it takes me back to memories. It takes me back to standing on a rock in northwest Arkansas, throwing a fishing line into the water as we just kind of picked at each other and had a good time sitting there fishing and, and just having having a conversation, or it takes me back to my phone ring and him calling to check on his pride and joy all the way up in Indiana. I want to make sure that this Yankee was taking care of the girl. Also reminds me of him calling when we were on our trip down, wanting to know how far we were because he couldn't wait to take his grandson on a tractor ride as soon as he could pull him into the driveway takes me back to fond memories. It takes me back to a time long ago when things used to be different. It reminds me, there's voices like J.H. Osborne that as a kid and as a teenager, Sister Mary, Brother Jerry, take me back to Hartford City and Lake Placid Campground. When I would sit in the youth class in a cafeteria and the Bible class would be happening in another room, and I could hear this booming voice, and I, I, I could hear as it would begin to increase in volume as Brother Osborne, probably one of the greatest preachers of our time, one of the greatest preachers that I've ever known, as he began to open up the Bible and he began to teach the Word of God to people that would sit in that class. It takes me back to a fond place in my life. But with all the fond memories and all the good voices, there's a minister at Arkansas camp that impacted me, though in a negative way, though a deep hurt, the impact of his, of his voice was just as great to me at that moment as any positive voice. You see, he nicknamed me the carnal drummer. He told me that I was nothing more than a carnal drummer and that I wouldn't account or amount to anything more. That's just what I'd always would be. He would never miss an opportunity to take a dig at me and tear me down in some way. And as a kid, I learned that, that saying that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I understand to this day that that is not true. Because just as much as a voice can impact you in a, negative, uh, a positive way, voices can impact you in a negative way. Someone said something. Somebody treated you a certain way. In a time when you needed encouragement and someone tore you down, that voice is as very real to you as any positive voice could ever be. These are just a few of the voices that, to me, carried weight in my life. They affected my life in a very powerful way. They affected me then and they are still affecting me now all these years later when I still hear those voices telling me you can, you will, you will do great things, you will, you will, you will 
will stand for truth. You will preach the gospel. It was back in 95, and he's not here, and if I said this to him, he probably would not even remember. But my cousin by marriage, Mark Neelick, it was in 95 where I, I'd come back from Bible school in the summer, and I didn't think I was going to go back. I was discouraged. I was in a tough place in my life. And I remember laying on my face at the altar on Delphi Avenue, and I was trying to make some decisions, and I'm like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I'm not sure what to do. When he, not knowing what I was praying about, he came and he whispered in my ear something simple, but it impacted me. He said, to whom much is given, much is just as God spoke to me and I got direction and I knew what I was doing. The next week I got up and I enrolled at IBC again, trying my best to, to, to learn, trying to my best to, to get training to make my mark in, in this world. There are powerful voices in society and in the world. They carry authority and they carry power and they are easy easily recognizable, and if I begin to play them over the sound system, you would definitely recognize them. But I want you to know that there is a voice which speaks into our lives every day that brings more power than any other voice in the world. The psalmist wrote about it in Psalm 63 when he said to him that rideth above the heavens of heavens, which are of old, lo, he doth send out his voice, and that a mighty voice. The prophet Jeremiah said in his book, chapter 25, he said, therefore prophesy thou against them all these words, and say unto them, the Lord shall roar from on high, and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout. I want you to understand tonight that his voice, God's voice, has power unlike any other voice. And when that voice speaks, every power in nature lends its ear. And when that voice speaks, every knee in heaven and on, on earth bows to listen. The waves lay down. Sickness has to leave. Enemies run, hide, and tremble. There is nothing like the voice of the Lord. His word in our text, Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2. The world existed without form. It was void. It was empty. It was purposeless. Yet the Bible records that the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. Now, we have no idea how long this went on. We have no idea how long it was in that state, but what we do know is that the creative power of God was not unleashed by the moving of the Spirit. We understand that when the, when the Spirit moved upon the waters, that everything stayed the same. The Spirit of God came upon Samson, though, and he ripped a lion apart. The Spirit of God moved upon David, and the giant was no match for him. But... Spirit of the Lord did not do a creative work in an empty world. But one verse later, we read his creative power was introduced in just three words that took, took, uh, it took, it looked like it had no significance, but three simple words were spoken and God said. I want to tell somebody in this place today, you're going through the fight of your life. You're going through struggling and nothing feels normal. Everything feels chaotic. And, and, and it seems like you come in after serve, service after service and the Spirit of God moves. But nothing changes and you leave the same as you came. But listen to me, it could be just in one moment that God comes into a service on a Wednesday night and he begins to speak and let God says, let there be. And when God begins to speak, that situation, that sickness has to change because there is change and purpose that comes when God speaks. Those simple words brought unimaginable power 
brings light out of darkness. Power that created light, life out of nothing. Power that hung the stars in the vastness of the heaven and it still keeps them there to this day. Power that brought dry ground out of the water. And none of it, though, happened when his spirit moved. But it all happened when his word came forth. And I want to tell somebody in this house tonight that God is standing on the precipice of a miracle in your life. God is standing there in the midst of your adversity, in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your pain, and in the midst of your confusion. And God's got his hand raised, and he's just about to speak those three little words into your life. And when he does, everything's going to change. When he does, peace is going to come. When he does, healing's going to come. When he comes, salvation is going to come to your home. happen. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me tonight. I love it when the Spirit moves, and there's nothing like it. And I'm not discounting that whatsoever, so please don't misunderstand me. I love it when the Holy Ghost interrupts our services. I, I, I love it when the Spirit moves on individuals and they step out in worship. I, I love it when the Holy Ghost begins to move in the middle of our worship set and people begin to dance and people begin to rejoice. And I believe 100% that we need more of it. But hear me when I say you can encounter the moving of the Spirit and still be void and empty. You can come in a service and experience the moving of the Holy Ghost and still walk out of this place as lost as you were when you came in. There is a danger in us equating the goosebumps of the moving of the Spirit. There is a danger with us equating the goosebumps with change. There's a danger when we think that that's all there is to it. There's a danger when we fall in love with the goosebump feeling. There is a danger when we come in and we're just we're just content in feeling the Holy Ghost. And my, did that not did that not feel good today to be in service? Didn't it feel good to, to feel the Holy Ghost? Wasn't it good being so and so rejoiced? Wasn't that great? Yes, it is great. But don't uh, but don't just don't just stay in that place because the goosebumps will never do anything for you. It won't change your life. But when God begins to speak salvation, when God fills a soul with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when God moves on the heart of a sinner and they find they find salvation, that is when change comes. We love the euphoric feeling that the goosebumps bring. But we often reject begin to cut me, and suddenly I didn't like that too much. Suddenly it made me feel like a sinner. It made me feel like I need to change some things in my life, and I, I was doing good until the preacher began to preach, but let me tell you, I, I thank God every time I come into this house and a message is preached, and I feel that it pricks my heart. I like it. Well, not my flesh doesn't like it, but I like it when God is calling me to change because God is speaking into my life and he's letting me know that there are some things, Danny, that you got to get right. There's some things that you got to get rid of and there's some things that you got to take on. So I'm not content with just a goosebump, but I want God to speak into my life. I want God to speak to me through his word and tell me what thus saith the Lord. I want to know. I want to know. It's uncomfortable. It hurts sometimes. It doesn't feel good, but it's what's needed for us to take hold and be the voice of, of God. We are moved by the feeling, but we're not changed by the feeling. We can be moved and still not. We can be moving, walking, and still not be making progress. You know, I, I'm the world's most impatient person. 
Not too long ago, I, I was driving in Indianapolis, and there was a traffic jam. I saw brake lights, and I'm like, nope. I got off on an exit. I had no idea where I was going, no GPS going. And I'm like, well, let's see where this takes us. All because I just didn't want to sit still. Listen, I was moving, but I wasn't really getting anywhere. Because I, I, I went up a couple exits, and I get back on the interstate. Guess what? Brake lights. I moved up a few spots in the, in the line. Listen, we can be moving and still not be making progress. We can, we, can, we can feel like everything's moving in the, in the right direction, but God's not speaking to us, and we're not being changed. We're not allowing his voice to do surgery on our hearts through his word and saying that you need to cut this out, and you need to get that out of your life, and you need to get these things in your life because it hurts. It doesn't feel good. Nobody likes it. But I thank God for the move of the Spirit that we feel and experience. And I'm thankful for the divine interruptions that take place. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the visitor that walks in the door and says, Man, everybody was so nice to me today. Everybody made me feel at home. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that that happens. I'm thankful that that you're friendly and that you make a, a great environment for those who walk into our service. And I'm glad when they come in and they feel the moving of the Spirit. I'm thankful for this church. It's a great church. It's a great church. We know how to have church. We know how to worship. We know when to say amen. We know when to, we, we know when to clap our hands. We have a great music program, and we know how to usher in the Spirit of the Lord. But the goal is not did we feel Him. The truth is that anybody can feel Him. The Bible said that the devil can feel Him. That's why that those that don't preach the truth, they can still feel God. But that is not the goal. But the question that needs to be asked is, did the Word of God change anything in me? Did His voice speak to me? Did this flesh then respond to what He spoke? As much as we need to worship, as much as we need, we, as much as we need to worship, we need the Word of God. As much as we need the dance, we need the Word of God. Because how many know that you can't live on the dance? You can't live there. That's a great when we experience it, but you got to have the Word of God in your life. You can't just fall in love with the goosebumps, but you got to fall in love with the Word of God. And you got to take everything. You can't take one piece and leave another out, but you got to take it and utilize it. We need preaching. We need teaching. We need His Word to cut us at come to feel good. I, did, I didn't come here to be entertained. I didn't, I didn't come here that's tempting. I don't need to be entertained by the world. But I need holy conviction that needs to come to me through First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power God. Everybody say it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Hear me tonight. You cannot be saved without the preached word of God. I, 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 I wish that would have got a, a way better response than you gave it. You cannot be saved without the preached word of God. We must be in love with the Word of God. 
are living in a day when people are throwing the words aside all in hopes that they cross is too gruesome. People don't want to hear it. People don't want to hear the gore. People don't want to, I, I hear it all the time. People don't want to hear that. People don't, people want to come in to the house of God and they just want to feel good. They want to be, they want to be made to feel like they're okay. They want to be made to feel like that they are on the right path when they are absolutely on the wrong path. Listen to me. I am not, I am not I'm not about sugarcoating it for somebody. I had a I had a strong talk with somebody yesterday, and I told him I said you have just you've got to get some things right in your life. You're not do you're not where you should be. You're not where you were, but you're not where you should be. And I told him I said you got to fall in love with this word. You got to read it every day. You got to get your nose in this book and find out how you ought to live. words just begin to jump off the page and they begin to hit you. I, I shared this story it was back in I believe it was back in November uh, of last year and, and my wife and I had gone through and remember um, intense training that was spoke to us and, and, and really changed the way that we looked at some things and I was reading my Bible one day and one morning reading and I was praying I'm like God you have got to speak to me I was man I was giving it to him God you've got to speak to me you, you've been really silent on me why in the world why are you not speaking to me and it was just like God hit me in the forehead with a baseball bat he told me he said I'm trying to speak to you but you won't be quiet enough long enough to speak to me listen when you fall in love with this word, when you read this word, you can't help, you can never walk away and say, well, God never spoke anything to me. But when you get in his word and you begin to, and the word becomes alive and the word just begins to jump out you off the page and suddenly you'll realize that God is speaking directly to you and you will find out that God is speaking directly becoming more concerned about being entertained all the time. Let me say that again. We are becoming more concerned with being entertained in the house of God than we are about salvation and eternity. We need to be friendly and welcoming. We do. We need to be a church that loves worship. But more than worshiping, we need to be a church that loves the word of God. We need to be friendly and welcoming, but not at the expense of a soul. I want to be, I want the visitor to come and feel at home. I want them to say, man, it felt good to be in the, in the house of God as soon as they walk in the door. But more than that, I want the word of God to create change in somebody's life. I want them to leave differently than they came. And friendliness won't save a soul. It won't. It won't. It'll draw people in, but it won't save them. I've, 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 I've been convicted today in, in, in preparing for tonight. I was convicted because my personality, I don't, I don't like confrontation. I, I, I do not like confrontation. I'll do it if I have to, but it's not what I want to do. And I and it's very hard for me when someone looks at me and says, "Well, well, God's calling me 
to do this or God's calling me to do that and I know where the life is and I know I know that they're nowhere near ready for that and I don't want to stay. But but listen, this week I had to have a tough conversation with somebody and I and I and God convicted me. I'm like, I, I could go and, and just sugarcoat it and they can walk away and they're not gonna be mad at me and they're but they're but they're gonna be in a false belief if you would. And I just opened my mouth and I said, I love you. I love you more than you than you will ever understand. But listen, this is the truth. You've got to you got to change this. You got to get back to this. You got to do this. You got to get that out of your life because more than I am concerned about somebody being happy with me and someone not being mad at me, I cannot let someone go to a devil's hell all because I just want to be friendly and because I don't want them to be upset with me. What are we going to do on judgment day? What are we going to do with that person that we sugarcoated it for? We watched as they stand before God and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. What are they going to think? I don't know how it's going to go, but are they going to turn to me and say, you didn't tell me. Or you, you were too busy trying to make me your friend. Or you were too busy trying to sugarcoat it with me. Why didn't you tell me that? I know this is heavy for a Wednesday night, and I apologize for that. But listen to me. Much more than we are, we, we ought to be concerned with, with just being, being the, the, the likable and just being the friendly. I think we ought to do everything out of love. I don't think we ought to set somebody straight and be angry and be ugly about it. But I think that we can look at somebody and say, let me tell you what the Word of God says. You know I love you. You know I care about you. And I want your soul saved. But here is what the Word of God says. Because it's the Word that will bring change to life. It's the Word that will do surgery on a heart. I'm convicted tonight. I'm convicted tonight. We don't need walking around with this Bible thumping somebody's head. That's not what I'm talking about. I tell you, I tell you how how my personality is. I you know there are those that there are those that go out in the street corner and say, hey, do you want to go to heaven or hell? Put people on the spot. Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to go to hell? That's not me. But I tell you what I do. I do my best do my best to let my life change. Now, some of you are the, the bold type, and that's fine, and that's good. Some of you say, well, I could never do that, so what can I do? Let me tell you what you can do. You let your light shine, and others will see your good works and glorify the Father that is in heaven. Let them see Jesus in you, but before they can ever see Jesus in you, you've got to get Jesus in you got to fall in love with this word. You've got to be what you profess to be. Because the truth of the matter is that when we are not living according to the word, I think we're going to be doing something really stupid. Ezekiel 44, and they shall teach my people the difference between the holy I thank God that this church has a pastor that knows the word. But listen, you may never know the weight that he may walk in this pulpit. That comes with the word 
that had been given to him by the Father. Through prayer and study. But he comes anyway to tell us what thus saith the Lord. You don't understand the struggle internally with a lot of servitude. When he comes with a word that he knows is going to be unpopular, he knows it's going to be a heavy word. But he comes anyway and he bears the weight for you and for me. I thank God for my pastor. I thank God that he loves me enough to shoot straight and tell me what the word of the Lord says. But he doesn't do he doesn't do it based on what someone has said or done. Because one thing that I know about pastor, he doesn't come to this pulpit with a vendetta. It's not out of retaliation. But he preaches what the Lord speaks to him. It may make some uncomfortable. Some may not like it and get angry with it. And he doesn't want that, but he has a job to do. He has been commissioned by the Lord. But listen, it doesn't matter if it makes me feel good. It doesn't matter if it tickles my ears. But what matters is that his word changes my life. What matters is what reveals that his word reveals some things in my life that I need to change. What matters is that it helps me get to heaven. It isn't a game to be played with. It's not something to take lightly. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And the purpose of our walk with God is to one day hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There is eternal salvation. But to ensure there's eternal salvation, there is eternal damnation. The soul that is at stake every time Sadly, I believe that a Pharaoh-type spirit has crept into the church in the day that we are living. See, the Bible tells us that Joseph was in a dungeon. Two guys tell him a dream that Pharaoh had, and Joseph then begins to give an interpretation of that dream. He says, the butler, the guy who poured wine into cups of tea, days and three nights. But the baker, the one that brought the bread to the king in three days, looked down. There's a spirit that has crept in that says, I want the wine, but I want to kill anybody who tries to take the bread. I want what feels good. I want what tickles my I don't want it at all. I'll take the wine. I'll take the Holy Ghost. I'll take the goosebumps and try to bring me bread and I'll kill somebody. That's the world. That's that that's the that's the world that we're living in right now. So so modern day Christianity has has gotten real good at just making everybody feel good. Coming in, singing two songs, having a 10-minute sermon and telling everybody that they're winners and telling everybody that they're on the road to heaven no matter what life they're living and sending them out and making them feel that they're all good and fine and dandy. We don't have time for that. That is not what God has commissioned us to do, but God has commissioned us to go ye into the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means if they get mad at you, you preach the gospel. If they make fun of you, you preach the gospel. If they if they laugh in your praise, your face, you preach the truth of the word of God because we have a mandate. Not to make us feel good, but to get them addicted to Christ. There have been many who turn their backs on the word on the word of God rather because they wanted the ice cream and the whipped cream and the cherry on top. 
They didn't want the cake. They wanted the dessert before they had dinner. They wanted to hear how they could live any way that they wanted to. Do anything that they wanted to do. Talk any way that they wanted to talk. Hear what they wanted to hear, and they could just tell you that they could just hear. They don't want to hear that you need to consecrate yourself. That you need to live a holy and a separate life. Their, their, their life needs to align with the Word of God, not what we have taught them. Listen, I'll take, I'll take the pain through the heartache of Christians. Through the preached Word of God, I'll take that over the goosebumps of any day of the week. I love the goosebumps. I love the work. I love to run the aisles. I love to dance. I love all of that. I love to jump. I love to leap. I, I love to I love to take my sons by the hand and dance with them. I love to worship with them. And that all feels good and dandy. But I'll much more take the pain of surgery that comes through the preached word of God that lines me out and says, Danny, there are some things in your life that are not right. There are some areas that you're failing in. Gotta make a change because it's the word that will bring change. The Bible tells us, and I won't be much longer, the Bible tells us that there would be a generation of itching ears that would say, just preach to me what I want to hear. Don't confront me with the gospel. Don't confront me with the truth of God's word or I will never darken the door of the ministry. If that is you tonight, give me, allow me a moment to say if that's you tonight, I would not leave this place until I got on my face and I repented before God. You just have to, to dig in no matter how painful it may be and realize that God is using your pain, your pain to bring salvation to your soul and to bring salvation to your family and to your household. You're going to have to take some pain. You're going to have to go through some tough times. You're going to have to go through some times of not being comfortable and wanting to just crawl under the pew and say, I don't want it anymore. Because it's the word of God. It's the truth. I was talking to someone the other day about eating meat too early. There are some who just simply need milk. But they're trying child is born, they get the nutrition from milk. Their body can handle the milk, but their body is not conditioned to eat milk. Number one, they don't even have Their body, even if they could eat it, their system could not digest it because they're not at that point yet. They're not ready for me. They're not developed enough to handle meat. They want to go deep into the things of Scripture when they just need to get the basics down first. Nothing wrong with wanting to gain knowledge. Nothing wrong with wanting to, to get understanding. But don't, you don't teach a first grader advanced calculus. They cannot comprehend what you're telling them. Although important, trying to read and understand What's going to happen when the seventh seal is opened in the book of Revelation? It's not going to save your soul. It's, it's, it's not going to do anything for your salvation. But it's in it's when in Scripture where you've got to learn how to be baptized in Jesus' name and, and be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's about how to live a lifestyle of holiness both inward and outward. That is what will save your soul. So let me implore you tonight. You've got to fall in love with this word. You've got to fall in love with the basics of this word that teach us how we are 
some will come to you and say, well, all you have to do says that all should be given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration in the original text li- literally means God breathed. It literally, it's, it's the literal, literal result of God's creative breath. There's nothing like the word of God. And when you pick up your Bible, you are actually holding breath of God. As long as you hold the breath of God, then everything will be, can you hold it when the storm comes? And they will come. Can you hold it in the good times? Can you hold it in the bad times? Can you hold his breath when there's no money in the, when there's money in the bank and the bank account's full? And can you hold his breath when you don't have two pennies to rub together? Can you hold his breath when it's popular? Can you hold his breath when others turn their back on you and begin to ridicule you and mock you? Can you hold his breath when others laugh and make fun of you? Can you hold his breath when one crazy apostolic message for an easy religion calls you and tells you that you ought to jump ship and you really don't need to live that way? better ground yourself in the word of God and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust. There are some of you in this place tonight, you feel like God is trying to punish you. You feel like God is trying to slay you. You feel like what you're going to go through is going to take you out. But let me tell you, get your nose in this book and then read where Jacob or when Job who had lost everything that he had and he come down to to nothing and he was about to 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 give up and his own wife said what a loser Job had the fourth ultimate revelation of what God was doing why did he say that and why can we say that because we know know that we're more than conquerors. We know that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. We know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And we know that when we are silent and we stand still, that God will fight our battles for us. But we've just got to get to a point where we stand still and let him There's nothing like this book, written over fifteen, over a fifteen hundred year period, over forty authors. It is the it is still the number one selling book of all time. There is nothing like the Word of God. His Word is profitable. Everybody say it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine. It tells us what to believe. It's profitable for reproach, for truth rather, and tells us what is wrong, what we are to stay away from. It's profitable for correction. It tells us how to fix it. And it's profitable for instruction. It tells me how to live. It answers life's big questions. Why am I here? Where am I going? Where did I come from? How can I know God's word. There's nothing like it. Powerful. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not outdated. No matter what people try to tell you, it's not outdated. I had somebody tell me a while back, it's, well, yeah, but that's under the old law. Listen. That still means that 
You ought to pay attention to it today. Your your life still ought to line up with the Word of God. No, we're not stoning people or anything like that, but there's still still things under the old law that tells us how we are to conduct our lives. It's not outdated. It's, it's, It's not relevant only to a time long past by, but it's just as relevant today as it was 3,000 years ago. It deals with the problems of today's time. It dealt with the problems of that time. It still directs our path. It's still a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The Word still convicts sin. This world still converts sinners. His Word still strengthens believers, and His Word still builds faith. So if His Word said, so then faith comes by hearing, and what? Hearing by the Word of God. Hebrews 11 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. There is nothing like this. thing entirely to receive the word of God. If you don't open your heart to be changed by the word of God, if you don't allow God's word to do to to to, to, to touch you and to and to call change in your life, the spirit will never do it, but it comes change comes through the word of God. God's word is permanent. Everybody say it's permanent. Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The word will be there tomorrow. When friends turn their back on you, the word will still be there. This word will be there next week. It will be there next month. It will be there next year. It will be there on the next generation. When time shall be no more, the word of God will still be standing. Psalms 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. You know this word. You know how this word is going to stand? Because God himself shall preserve his word. Matthew 5 and 18, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot, not not one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. His word is permanent. It is forever settled. The stars can fall from heaven. The, 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 the planets can, can move out of orbit and fall from the heaven, but not one letter in this word will ever fall. I don't care what the naysayers say. I don't care what the government says, but this word is forever settled in heaven. It doesn't matter what anybody else says, and I'm closing. The word of God is practical. Psalms 119, 130. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding The question has nothing to do with whether or not God's word works. The only question is will we let God's word work in us? As I've already said, Temporary Christianity movement says the church has to be relevant to its day. While I agree with some of that some of our methods and processes have to change, we cannot, we cannot afford to change this message. We cannot afford to water down this message. We cannot afford to water down, water down this apostolic truth and apostolic message. They say the word is competing with Hollywood. But the truth is that Hollywood at its best cannot touch what the church and the living God has. They cannot offer what we can offer the sinner. They cannot offer what we can offer the downtrodden. 
thankful that when the Word of God moves and creates, it's also connected. I, listen, I'm not interested in just being right. I want to be right. I, I, I don't care. I don't care about coming in to church and just worshiping if it's my favorite. about what I want and more about what He wants. I come into this place and, and I worship. And I worship God because that's what's required of me. And I want to worship Him because He's been so good to me. But listen, worship is not for me. It's for God. But what is for me is the preached Word of God that will
read the Bible through here, and we read it, yes, but we didn't invest it, we didn't fall in love with it. But God, I pray that you would just give a deep, burning desire and love for your word. God, let it speak into our hearts. Let us let it call us to change. And God, when we come in contact with that one, God, help us to not sugarcoat them, but give us boldness in the Holy Ghost to tell them this is what your word says. This is how you ought to live. And this is what God can do for you because you did it for us, God, and you can do it for them. God, call us to change. Do a work in our lives. God, let us not be only hearers of your word, but doers of your word. We love you. house of God tonight. Pastor will be back on Monday or on Sunday, not Monday. He'll be here on Sunday preaching the word of the Lord to us. How many glad that pastor's coming home?